Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. cursed i can't seem to get into this deli on my drive to work what like you can't walk through the door what do you mean like i've tried a few times now to go to this deli because it is on my drive i don't have to turn off uh the highway gotcha it's right there on the side first time uh i passed by i'm like i didn't even realize it was there when i was looking for places to get lunch okay okay then the next time I'm, I knew it was coming and I pressed the brakes, but it had just snowed. So I actually couldn't stop my car. Oh, um, which would have been concerning if there was someone in front of me. So right. I literally slid past <laughs> the deli. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, <laughs> then then then. OK, snow melts uh, right. a few days later. OK, so I'm good. I'm ready. I pull into the parking lot. I'm walking up to the door and there's a sign that says no credit cards. Oh, my God. And I only had cash on me. So I turned around and I don't think I am. The universe is trying to keep me out of this deli. Hmm. Yeah, that's a three strike rule, man. I think you shouldn't go to the deli. I think it's I don't know. Or are you determined and you're like, I need to go to this deli and it's like there's no other options and you will test fate. Yeah, I guess I'm worried, like, what if it's not that good? Yeah, Yeah. that's true. And now it's getting you're you're building hype because you can't get it. I mean, it's like a supply and demand kind of a situation. Yeah, I mean, because like on the one hand, cash only business says to me, it's got to be really good. For yeah. you to expect people to <laughs> always have cash on them. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the other option is like, you know, it's also, eh, but it's also a deli that like, mm. it looks like a lot of construction people stop at, which nothing mm. against construction people, but maybe it's not like, maybe not a lot of options for someone that doesn't eat red meat, you know? Sure. Sure. Is it potentially... A front, which is another question. Oh, interesting. So it's like one of those stores or restaurants that's never opened because it's laundering money. <laughs> right, yeah. Or it's just like they got another thing going on. And maybe the universe doesn't want you to be a part of that. I don't, I don't know. know. You I know, don't there's, know. There's, there's, uh, you know, I'm not... Uh, I'm not. I'm Could not be. saying anything, but I there, there's a. I see a lot of Italian names on all these uh, mm. on all these signs in uh, upstate New York. Wow, so discriminatory of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm no, seeing no, a lot. I'm seeing it's a fair. lot of con. I'm a lot of uh, you know Romano construction. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. Vespucci electrical. You know. Hmm. It, yeah. it's, it's all it's all stuff like that up here and it does tend to be 
what you think it is. But anyway, obviously, obviously we both have deep, deep love for our, our Italian family. Yeah, I love the Sopranos, you know. But yeah, what uh, is is everything good down in your neck of the woods? Have you been able to uh, navigate safely? Unlike me, who apparently drives very <laughs> recklessly when it snows. I mean, no, I've been. It's been good. It's just been raining because of all the the like all the snow and cold weather's just passed us and turned into rain. But also, like, no one knows. I hate to turn into one of these people, but it's like driving. There's always just been random instances of like people just not knowing what they're doing. Like sometimes I feel like mm-hmm. I'm I'm in a video game in that way, where it's like like I was driving home a few days ago actually, and this car in the middle of nowhere, like we're, we're driving down to like a, you know, just like a highway, like 50 miles per hour going, I'm moving him in the right mm-hmm. lane. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not in a mm-hmm. rush, you know? But then this guy in the right lane decides like, Oh, I'm going to make a left at this turn. Right. And then just stops mm-hmm. in the middle, like in between both of them. And it's sort of just like a processing <laughs> moment. And I'm like, you can't. And like, I'm not an aggressive person when driving. I don't even like driving. So it's just one of these cases where I'm like, what is going on? And like, I don't know. It's been like that a lot. But then, you know, recently, I think one of the more weirder things about like where I'm at is that depending on the, like, depending on how my neighbors react is how I get news sometimes, especially with sporting Mm -hmm. events. Like Mm -hmm. I knew the Eagles won the championship because they launched fireworks into the air. (laughs) And it's a Sunday. It was a Sunday, right? So it's like it's like a signal to the to the town square, right? It's like the ringing of right. church bells instead. Oh yeah, Except yeah. instead it's, of church it's, bells, it's, it's pots the, and pans and the fireworks. It's the, tr- it's the real trumpeter of Krakow. Of, <laughs> yeah, literally. It's of just, southern New Jersey. Just, yeah, exactly. It's just so chaotic, and I, 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 I find it hilarious, but I'm so disconnected from it that I have no mm-hmm. stake whatsoever. But it is there mm-hmm. is a bit of a rallying call there. So yeah, that's pretty much mm-hmm. how my life is in this area in South yeah. Jersey. You know, it's really hard. Well, maybe for one, I don't think you've ever driven me anywhere. So <laughs> I have a real. It's it's really hard for me to imagine mm-hmm. you aggressively driving. I feel I like, like to, if I'm you, a passenger, Zan. I prefer yeah. to be to be helping the navigation. <laughs> Designated shotgun. Exactly. I'm not one. Well. To, to do yeah, that. no, it's your job to look for deer. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, the I I almost imagine you trying to press the horn on your car and like something coming up on the dashboard and being like, "Are are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You could hurt their feelings. Do you, you want to do never- that? <laughs> <laughs> you've you've never you've never uh pressed the the, the horn before yeah god uh, this is such a big moment uh are you ready god that is so i i both hate and love how accurate that is i have i i will let you know i have had to a few times just because people are insane but mm-hmm. um yeah no not i tend to just kind of go with the flow when driving right but nobody know. can fucking drive. It's true, though. It is true. I'm sorry. It is ridiculous. Ah, anyways. Oh well, this is this is a great conversation for those that like to, you know, hear about Northeast commuting. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're having this conversation as, you right. know, the, the places we go. We have come to this place. Hello, everyone. Welcome <laughs> to the Uncanny County Museum. Um, so Joe, I'm, I'm looking Mm. around, Mm. I'm seeing 
I'm seeing a lot of art of Sonic the Hedgehog. Hmm. Yes, there is some Sonic so, in here. There's some Sonic. There's, there's some, some Sonic. Shrek. Oh um, yeah, yeah. We a got those. lot of uh, Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal Lecter. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, clearly. And I think that one, Will Graham, is definitely pregnant in that one. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what? <laughs> So tell me, what exactly is going on here? Well, we're having an exhibition of different types of fan art to discuss it, discuss the idea of fan art as a concept, as a medium, as a way of, as an art form, let's say, in relation to the contemporary art world and the idea of art as a creative field. So mm-hmm. I've gathered a bunch of different pieces around to explore this idea. So we have everything from paintings to miniature sculptures to, you know, digital illustrations and, and uh, drawings as well. So all types of different ways of rendering some beloved characters that people enjoy in very unique art styles and also getting, uh, let's just say, creative with it, too, and taking things into their own hands. Right. So, okay, I can I can see like Roman statuary based on earlier Greek yeah. um, sculpture. Exactly. And, you know, then I can also see, uh, you know, that's definitely uh, a bust of handsome Squidward. <laughs> right. I mean, it fits so well, right? But um, <laughs> we also have the Macintosh 420 album cover in here, too, because I also feel like that's another inspired from it. Not necessarily fan art, but we are fans. Mm. Um, but yes, so that is, that is what we're focusing on here today. And I'm excited to get your perspective in on this, Zam, because I know, I don't know if we've actually ever really talked about this in detail, but I know. You know what? This is really interesting. Yeah. Right. We're both, we're both obviously in the fine art world, uh, to some extent, you know, we are, uh, maybe, uh, zits on the on the cheek of the fine art world, but we exist. Eh, we exist. We are here. But yeah, we and we're both, you know, had, I dare I say, kind of nerdy, obsessive childhoods over our different fixations. <laughs> yes. And, but we neither of us makes art about it. So I'm mm-hmm. interested in uh, wh- why we don't do that. <laughs> well, I'll admit I did at one point. Oh, actually. yeah, no, I, I, I did. did too. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, but we don't anymore, I guess, like, is the conversation with that. Yeah, I... Yeah. It what, is... what did you do? Who, who, who did you make? Who did you make art of? Who did you make Kiss? No, I never set up fictional situations. I would draw portraits of famous people or people from movies I enjoy. Oh, okay. And then okay. I would do a lot of, like, video game based like illustrations like so illustrations of characters from games and things like that or like designs like i was more into Mm -hmm. the field of like really liking something so wanting to express it through my own work you know which Mm -hmm. we'll get into the differences here and like that kind of idea as well um but i I was i'm not a fan fiction person or like trying to create a a visual that way i've never done that right yeah i think in In undergrad, I think I had the impulse where I wanted to make art that felt meaningful to me. And maybe a shortcut of that would be making art that referenced something that that I had that affinity towards. I think Uh my painting. Yeah, my, my first ever painting class, sort of my final project, I did like this triptych of three musicians that I particularly 
you know, Ooh, okay. was, was obsessed with in high school and into, you know, early college. Sure. And I, I had this whole state artist statement about how, like, I wanted the painting styles to reflect their kinds of music. And, hmm. you know, it it felt big and important to me at the time. But like then and and times after that, I would paint someone that I felt had some sort of historical significance, niche historical significance. Right. Um, you know, either to art or to science. And I think I really struggled in getting the class to respond to it, to respond to the story. And I think it took me a long time to kind of understand why I wasn't getting the reverence that, yeah. you know, I had that like I could do a painting of Mary Anning, you know, I, I had this one. It was, you know, for me, it was a lot of work at the time. Like I tried mm-hmm. to do this whole painting of like Mary Anning walking alone on a stormy beach and she's like surrounded by the ghosts of ichthyosaurs, <laughs> you know, swimming around her. Very niche. Yes, extremely. Thank you. Extremely niche. And I, um, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I had to first explain to the class who Mary Anning was. Hmm, Right. And I think at that point, I think that was one of the last times I kind of attempted something like that because I think everyone kind of got a little bit more hung up on how I spoke about her and, you know, they, I think they were interested, but it was, it was not, I, I wasn't getting anyone to look at the work. Right. Right. Cause I, I was, I was yeah. so, I was so, you know, stuck on her and her story and, and talking about her story. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I totally get what you mean. I mean, this is interesting because this is actually what I wanted to talk very in depth with too about some of the limiting factors of when we make art in response uh-huh. to other art in this way, right? When fan art is reacting to these things because, and and you know, this is my thesis. Let's say my thesis idea here. So we're open to interpretation and moving with it. But mm-hmm. when you make artwork in response to another piece of media and present it to people, the people who are going, so like, let's say we're taking a, um, making a painting of a character from uh, the last of us or something like that. Right. You're Mm -hmm. limiting it to people who know that story and know that game and know that, or know that piece of media and are relating to it. And for them and for you, it's going to have this like emotional charge. That's going to lead to like a beautiful piece for others they're missing that side of the story and for them it's just going to be potentially a very nice painting right or a portrait of oh it's that person i've maybe seen in passing but Mm -hmm. the rest of it is left out that emotional undercurrent of how it may have been rendered is is Mm -hmm. no longer there and i think that is one of the key factors at play here that i wanted to discuss a little bit in depth when we talk about fan art in relation to then contemporary art because i feel that Mm -hmm. when you have something that's so reliant on its source material it almost does you a disservice in a way Mm -hmm. because it's limiting the the emotional connection that your art could potentially have with a bigger audience but 
that's one aspect of this, right? Because fan art goes into yeah. way different categories, right? People make a living right. selling craft work that I personally mm-hmm. buy because I enjoy mm-hmm. the show and I enjoy the rendering, right? And it's yeah. maybe not going to have that depth to it. And, you know, fan art is also a way to be creative without stress in a way. Because mm-hmm. I think one thing that that is, it's it's like difficult to break out of this in I think mid I would say halfway through your bachelor's in a fine arts degree, but fan art or just art of people that you know or things you know is a fantastic way to study and to practice, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just such a good way to like work with material you already know how yeah. to and and basically just learn how to draw or paint or sculpt. Right, you you know what it ought to look like. I think, you know, yeah. one of my one of my projects for a long time like as a as a kid was I wanted to you know, have my own comics and stuff. And mm, I would, same. you know, I, yeah, I had my own characters and stuff and I'd, I'd write out all these stories for them and everything. But I think a lot of that came from me like writing, like basically doing storyboards for like how I would have my own SpongeBob episode, because I think I had like a book that was actually pretty good as far as like character references and everything on oh. like basically the cast of SpongeBob like not just how to draw their outlines but like how to draw a mannequin essentially for them and move them around hmm. um you know have have them in different poses and things so i i i agree definitely with that when it mm-hmm. comes to a lot of uh niche topics and everything but I, I want to offer maybe not a rebuttal, sure. but I think there's another element to fan art when it is something that is extremely widely known. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that are like, I'm going to do this super photorealistic pencil drawing of Christopher Walken. Yes. Uh, and yes. then it's. It is again relying on people's familiarity mm-hmm. with with that celebrity, you know, and I think that then still falls into the category of fan art. Correct, yeah. Um but you know, when you when you make art that is so specific to a person and it's clearly made it's coming from a place of admiration, you know, it's like Sure. Cuz if you were to make drawings of Michael Jackson or Woody Allen, uh, you know, it, it would carry a very different weight now. Yeah. Um, and and there would be other levels of complex emotions. But when you do something that's kind of purely that that's made, um, I don't want to say naively, but but kind of earnestly, that's uh, earnestly celebratory. Sure. Um of a of a figure, of an actor, of a of an artist's work, of a character. Um I think the thing that then people might react to critically is and and this is something I've tried to communicate to students, you know, either on review boards or during crit, you know, when they want to do, you know, something like this is, you know, are you saying something about mm. this person and their art? Or is there, a is there, um, are you trying to attain reverence in your art by mm. 
by gesturing towards something that everyone has some affection towards, you know, um, that a, uh, you know, the, the way like a a mural of a celebrity, you know, on the side of a building might feel that, you know, people will have this affection towards it almost regardless of how well it's done. And that's sort of sometimes almost the charm of like a (laughs) lot of street art and stuff. It's like, ah, yeah, this, this building has, you know, uh, spray painted, uh, pictures of the Beatles on it. Yeah. And you're like, or or something. Because there, there's a, I, I guess I'm, I'm coming from this particular, I, I'm coming at this angle because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. from St. Petersburg, Florida. There is a lot of, a lot of murals in the downtown area. That's, you gotcha. know, something that, that is very encouraged by the city uh, to have art mm. on the buildings. Um, but I would say while there is some art that is original, there is also art that falls into, you know, here is this thing everybody knows and everyone has affection for. I'm going to kind of, is it too cynical to say hijack some of that reverence? No, I think that's what it does, right? I think Mm -hmm. that's, it's interesting. We're on the same wavelength with this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's fascinating to kind of flesh out from different angles. But yeah, it's like, it's like when I go into a a senior show for a BFA student and they have mm-hmm. portraits of famous people or like the Frank mm-hmm. Ocean, you know, Knights oh, cover. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm like, you're no, not. I, I, had, I had someone in my undergrad. She had beautifully, beautifully painted and she, she's she's very talented. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, she had a painting of uh, Tyler, the creator. Right. Yeah, and then it, yeah, but and it's a thing even with like the the Frank Ocean cover like for his album, and I'm blanking on the album, but it's one Nights is on. It's funny because it's like that is a piece by Wolfgang Tillemans. The photograph was mm-hmm. taken by him that he put in his recent exhibition in New York, I think at MoMA. <laughs> so I'm That's like, so unless you're him, I don't know if this works. Like in that same vein, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just so interesting. Like it's an you're making art from another artist's art. Yeah, and, but it's like it's like it's it's layered there, but. Here's the thing, like, you know, we both teach at universities, and I think that also offers us an interesting perspective into student work. And for me, when I get to portraiture and I get to, like, landscape and things like this where students are allowed to open Mm -hmm. up about their own personal subject matter, I'm no longer telling them what they have to draw. And that's always kind of Mm -hmm. interesting to see what they'll do. I do give that option for, you know, family members, friends, people significant to them, or people from you know actors characters from movies and games but no two-dimensional work because that's a different Mm -hmm. kind of category for teaching a rep drawing class and it's always interesting because like they'll pick characters that i may or may not know and many times i know them and they do tend to make it interesting but Mm -hmm. it's interesting in demonstrating the medium because for like the class i'm teaching it's about practice right so i encourage students to practice their skills that they're learning in the course through the subject matter they're interested in because i think to to jump too far into like what's personal to you as a freshman or as a beginning drawing student would kind of be like incredibly anxiety inducing almost or like just not knowing and it could go the wrong way but there has to be this threshold where you move away from that pretty quickly after drawing one you know where it's like okay i am learning this material and now I want to move this in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. otherwise, like I, I had a student who did this like incredible drawing of 
Ellie from The Last of Us 2, and I was like, this is so good. And clearly, I like that game, so I was like, this is awesome. Right. But stepping away from that for a moment, technically, it was very well done, and it had levels of emotion mm-hmm. to it. But again, it's that same concept we're talking about, where it's almost like it's taking the reverence a bit from the source material, and this isn't just on them, this is like across the board, and a lot of work I see at you know, different schools and at different levels and things, and even on the internet in particular. So... You know, I think before we jump too far down to this, because we could talk about like this specific example of like yeah. realistic drawings or paintings of famous people and, and people from media. Yeah. I wanted to also just briefly discuss the other sides of fan art where you have more cartoonish imagery or imagery based off of like anime and other things, but also the animatic and where right. you get people creating animation work as a way to practice using audio from like, I don't know, like the McElroys or other podcasts or like Steven Universe or like Vine sounds even. And they're using like other characters. So it's like you have like Mm -hmm. an audio from uh, like My Brother, My Brother and Me. And then it's like Undertale characters. And it's this like if I take it, you know, it's it's obviously sustainably right as an artwork. I'm not exactly interested emotionally, but the displacement is fascinating. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think I... I I really did not care uh, 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 as much as the TikTok algorithm thought I did about uh, Will Smith's outburst at the Oscars. Right. But what I I will say, I did love an animatic of that audio where Chris Rock was Marty the Zebra. Yeah. And Will Smith was, um, oh God, uh, Oscar from Shark Tale. (laughs) Oh my god! Incredible. Get my wife's name. Oh, but like, god. but drawn as, yeah. but drawn as Oscar. God, but the best one for that was the the JoJo pose was just so mm. funny. But oh yes, I I have also seen that. I feel like too. But it's the thing. Like it's an interesting displacement, right? Like it's like oh yeah, this is no fascinating. Well, okay, okay. Can I? Yeah. So I I don't think. I think we're putting a lot on fan art to, yes. you know, fulfill the duties of high art. Um, right. And and I I guess I say high and low art, like not necessarily disparagingly. I think I think it's OK that there are art forms that ask different levels of engagement from you. Really? And- are you sure? <laughs> no, of course. Of course. <laughs> yes i have to think you know very critically about you know every uh, you know fart joke in a in a in a cartoon or something what does it mean what was it actually simple (laughs) i don't even want to dive into that territory because it's such a slippery slope truly it is it is um you know and not not to say that you know that that things that could be perceived as, you know, easy going down, don't have some sure. sort of artistry or craft to them. There, there's a whole other conversation there. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, one thing I think that the animatics do, which I think, you know, takes it, takes it to uh, something else, something more transformative is like this idea of getting something you are familiar with Right. And getting you to look at it in a different way. And I think that very simple gesture is at the mm. essence of so much contemporary art that yes, like exactly you uh 
I'm totally spacing on the artist. I think they were one of the Artipovera artists, but there was some artist that we looked at uh, in a slideshow in Italy <laughs> that had like an open cabinet, like a food food cabinet. And it was like, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's an altarpiece, you know, mm. with the way that the, the, the cans of food are stacked okay. inside and the open doors and everything. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an altarpiece. Right. Um, like that is like that. That's not a t- too different a thought technology. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think there is art like that, that um you can part part of the tool of it is the recognition and getting people to you know do do a little juxtaposition in their head uh the um and i mean this this goes really far back obviously in art but like if we want to go back to the ancient greeks the the thing that people remark on with Sophocles, for instance, is that Sophocles did not necessarily come up with the story for uh, Oedipus, Rex, uh, mm-hmm. and and Antigone, and all of that. Um, but rather, it was this was a known story that Sophocles wrote um, in in a compelling way that really. Um, almost kind of uh like like the 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 play worked almost better for the audience because they already knew the story and they were waiting they were they were sort of left with an anticipation of waiting for how those story beats would be revealed to them um yeah and and that that was sort of more the originality that was appreciated about it that we know this guy oedipus you know he will make these hubristic mistakes and it will turn out that he killed his father and married his mother, yada, yada, yada. We know those things happen, but you know, uh, the, the anticipation built as to how those things are revealed to Oedipus, Mm, um, is, is, is what is entertaining, uh, about that interpretation. Um, and so I think going that far back into history, I think there's plenty of precedent to say that you can you can take, you know, even really an entire basic storyline mm-hmm. and reimagine it as something that is your own. Um, right. Maybe one issue we have now. Uh huh. And this is this is um, this is this is a little more uh, maybe a symptom of like Hollywood um and and the american entertainment industry um but the idea that you can culturally own something i think plays a yeah. little bit of an issue in this because everything yeah. is ip now um right and even though there's people you know like our entire film industry right now is being held together with remakes and interpretations of comic books written 50 60 years ago uh yeah and it's not that they're all uh like bad stories necessarily but it's built this expectation of um that i i I guess what i'm trying to say it's not so much that i dislike that 
you know, like half of all movies are revolving around these specific universes of characters. Right. It, it's it's not so much that that there's not the the whole like idea of like Hollywood's run out of ideas. Like it's not so much that that bothers me. I think it's the thought that there's like a, a very small handful of companies that own all of the stories and all of the characters at this point. Yeah, that's a good that is a good reflection on that, actually, because they do. It makes it difficult, but then also it's like audiences kind of want that, right? Like mass-produced cinema to that yeah, level. Yeah, like you they, want, they want the Marvel they want jokes. To, to you re- know? They want that exactly. And then yeah. it makes it like the Jenner conversation, where you could discuss the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, and like, and there's something to that. And there's also I, I'm more frustrated with it now than ever. But like, it's just mm-hmm. sort of this like the, the very clear indication of that. And then I'll, I will connect this back and it's mm-hmm. a history actually, but the a very clear indication of that was like when I watched Dr. Strange, the second one, I don't remember what mm-hmm. it's called. Uh, Multiverse of madness. S- right. Dr. Stranger things. Dr. Strange, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Strange too, too strange. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, if you didn't watch the Disney Plus show WandaVision and know the Doctor Strange story and know Avengers Endgame and know this entire lore that you've had to buy into for the last like 10 years, that movie makes no sense. It does not make sense. Like my mom just forgot everything and was watching okay, it. It was just okay. like, I don't understand. Well, well J- Joe, but, Joe, so, 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 so climb down off your, you know, <laughs> elitist East Coast college educated high horse. All right. There. All right. How is this any different from. <laughs> a classical painting or book where there's a million references to the Bible oh, I'm so or, happy Greek myth- or Greek mythology. Like, you know, you're expecting all of these people to know who Hermes is and, uh, and I, I, I don't know, mm. like all the characters from Cats, Mesistopheles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all those Greek legends from Cats. That's how I know them. Look, the old true du- classics. Yeah, all, I read the all, classics. All of, all of the... The, yes, old Deuteronomy. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Well, okay. This is another point I was kind of Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, <laughs> South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio. Oh my God. Yes, all of those, all of those wonderful characters. Uh, <laughs> no, but like because that's we a, never talk about the Billy Joel. We uh, never you know, do. Cinematic yeah. universe. That's a, yeah, that is true. I mean, <laughs> I guess we did really start the fire, but uh, or we didn't start the fire in this way. Um, God, but, is that the predecessor to? Um, oh God, what was that YouTube video that was like um, good guys, bad guys, and the, the final showdown? Is that? What oh it was called? my God! Yeah, it was. Yes, the, uh, every single Power is, Ranger. Yes, that was like a fe- that was actually the first End Game in a way, or Infinity War, or whatever. Yes. Right, biggest crossover. Yes. I I, th- I think it, I think it did. Yeah. Gosh, but um, anyway, so, so so what so what so what what could you possibly have to say to that? All right. So with cuz I feel like I've heard that a bunch of times too and I've always had to like think about it a lot when you're comparing or when when one compares like fan art to like let's just go with Catholic or early Christian artwork, right? That's like it, it's mm-hmm. all referential to the Bible. So, you know, you hear that it's like okay, a well, real Moby Dick. <laughs> basically, yeah. So it's like, you know, all the all the visual art being produced is being produced from a literary text, so therefore it's it's illustration. It's like character mm-hmm. illustrating or fan fiction in a way because people are interpreting the stories visually and changing mm-hmm. slightly. But the thing I think it's forgotten 
is at that time period, like let's look at the, I don't know, the, the 14th century, for instance, so the 1300s in Europe, or in particular Italy, where a lot of this is coming mm-hmm. out. Culturally and religiously and spiritually, the people are Catholic, whether they like it or not. They just are. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't yeah. necessarily have to be practicing. I don't know if we're going to know that 100%, but they are culturally involved in that you go to church you're surrounded by this work you are told the story that you may or may not be understanding i don't remember when vernacular was spoken in churches but it wasn't then yet yeah no well yeah you would you would have to know latin but but but, but you're immersed you're immersed in yes so it's it's a very slavo zizek view of of religion exactly so the thing is, though, that's consistent. It's it's the story. It's the it's are all of these stories that are modifying. And there's the other blending of the myths from you know Greek and Roman mythology that have made their way into the Catholic religion, and you know with saints and things like that that families are passing down to one another. It is it is like their cinematic universe. It's a religious cinematic universe in a way. So it's not like one group of them in one town knows this and the other doesn't. And is confused when they see the work. That type of art, you know, this classical art and this religious art is being is referencing that this major cultural idea idea and you know, um, you know, all these motifs that come out of that are understood. Maybe not necessarily at the deepest level that we would look at it. Maybe now or even those who were painting it, but. That emotional connection is there. Mm -hmm. That cultural Mm -hmm. connection is there. When you have a product like the Marvel movies or like any sort of massive franchise of film or comic book or or media, just genuinely media, Mm -hmm. it's different. It's a different relationship because they're selling it to somebody who has to participate in that. And and, um, this isn't like a, yes, good on the Catholic Church in the 13th century for keeping everybody in this like homogenous community, but... Do you know what I mean? Like that wasn't necessarily like a good or bad right. thing. It's just like it right. was what it was. And when we look at history, mm-hmm. we need to be, we need to acknowledge that and empathize with that a bit too, yeah. and not necessarily try to graph it or graft it onto like what Tumblr is now, essentially, right? <laughs> or like how oh the person who draws fan art of like Tony Stark is a is basically Boccaccio. You know, it's like it's basically the same. Or is a uh, you know, your your new Da Vinci, your new Leonardo Da Vinci. It's it's not quite <laughs> the same in that way. Yeah, because they're using yeah. the material to do something more. Yes. Right? So, yes. Um, exactly. Like you would have like this is my interpretation of um, you know, uh the Gabriel talking to the Virgin Mary and, and exactly like that. Um, I mean that that's that's all I, I do think though there is like a little bit of like that um that cultural hegemony that you yeah. need to be in on this narrative exactly uh you know of the world and everything um I do also think that there was some sense that uh that that these were that these were uh you know more broad stories and traditions that um were open to the interpretation, you know, sometimes down to, you know, which parish you went to, Mm. uh, you know, which, which order you belonged to. And, you know, obviously there's, there's a canon to most religions, you know, like which, which holy books are, are valid and all of that. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, there's, 
the the sort of dissent between them, you know, whether that's friendly disagreement or, you know, leads to religious wars, um, is also sort of a, a, a component of it because you truly believe that those things are, um, how you interpret those things is necessary to, right. You know, how, how you interact in the world. Um, and, 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 and I, and again, and maybe this would become more of an idea once the Protestant reformation rolls around, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think the, I think like things like biblical text became much more, um, you know, much more concerned with a, a personal interpretation of what convinced you that these stories, what, what they were about. Um, and, and again, that was hotly debated. Um, but that, that ultimately is, it it was this idea that it it belongs to everyone and there is a certain responsibility on you to make a choice as to what you th- what you think mm-hmm. this says and means and i mean but then you know you can also get into the idea almost of like the the way catholicism doesn't really focus on reading the bible so much in fact you're no. not from you're not really encouraged to that's the that's the priest's job you know they they pay someone to do that yeah you don't have to spend all that time reading yeah, all those you, stories it's, it's, yeah it's, you, it's, yeah you, you don't want to you don't want, you don't have to read that thing for free i mean some people do i will correct some people <laughs> do do that and are very into it and that's fine but mm-hmm. it's not as it's not like the point it's not as interpretive right. there's not a lot of room to be interpretive like i that's like i always say you know it's like evangelic like you know, evangelical Christians mm-hmm. and any sort of, well, most, I'll just be nice, most Protestant sects in that way is just improv half the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's some scholars and others who do study and translate and are saying what needs to be said and some who are saying some insane concepts, but that's what it offers when you can freely interpret things. And then if you have the the Catholic way, it's a bit more restrictive and then you're being told essentially what to believe. And that's has its consequences too, but it both of those interestingly also led to vastly different art movements, which I think mm-hmm. is very interesting also mm-hmm. in that way, right? Because again, right. it's like culturally these things are affecting us and, you know, the emotional and poetic mm-hmm. visual that's coming out of it and leading us to today is, it's, it, it is there and it is manifesting in different ways and also dependent on what, yeah. It's being conjured through changes, right? And that's again like right. circulating the idea of fan art in relation to the art world and contemporary art. It's it's not necessarily there, you know. It 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 but but it goes but also that. but but also like yeah. consider the you know obviously there there have always been like secret schools uh, and mm. you know some version of hermetic knowledge and everything. You know the idea that like right. you have to access something. Um, but it was never necessarily about copyright. Um, <laughs> right. and, and, the, and lawyers? That, that exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, now we've got, if your song using, oh, you know, God. 12 chromatic notes that we all have to use is too similar to something that someone else recorded and copy wrote then, and had copy and had copyrighted. 
you know, then you can be in big trouble. I mean, like, oh, yeah. Or, you know, if you just if 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 some there, there's that whole like Della Soul album that you can't even listen to because they, you know, sampled all these different artists and the the. It, 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 the the idea of intellectual property, I think that we have yeah. now, and the legal stuff surrounding that is profoundly different than the idea of how stories were told, you know, yeah. hundreds of years ago, and also like how quickly culture changes now. Not that things didn't change; things weren't static back then. You know, fashion would change, um, attitudes about things would change, but. I don't think you can compare it to no. how how quickly things change in the age of mass media from oh, the 20th yeah. century onward. The idea that, you know, um, each decade is going to have vastly different uh, aesthetics um, and, and tastes as to, yeah. as to how you handle things. Um, it's yeah. like, I mean, because like, okay, we, we mentioned The Sopranos earlier, but like, when I when I do have time to sit and watch it, the thing that always strikes me about it is, you know, it's obviously very good and so much about it holds up. Oh, yeah. Um, it's lots of things that happen in it that. If you were to make it now, um, there are a lot of things that would draw a lot more focus, hmm. uh, yeah. like there would be like a lull, like almost like for the audience to gasp after, you know, one of them says something racist. Um, right. Rather than sort of the flow that, you know, shows that like to them, this means nothing. Um, right. There's not like the, um, the, the, it happened, it sometimes happens, but it happens very rarely. There's not the, um, there's no Jim from the office. There's no one that, um, uh, you know, looks at the camera or or gives a look when, you know, someone has a, like a malapropism. You know, I love every time Polly says irregardless. It's <laughs> irregardless, T. Irregardless. But it's... that's there for the audience to recognize. And if you don't if you don't pick up on it and you don't pick up on that, then, you know, you can move along following the story. But if you're really paying attention and you're in tune to it, you get this whole other level of enjoyment out of it. <laughs> yes. And the way that they're just like roasting this character all the time. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that show is, is so masterful in writing and how it actually honestly how it treats its audience in that way too yeah. right because that was another case of like and not to derail this into the sopranos tour but it's mm -hmm. it's so like they knew what they were doing and they knew who their audience was and who was watching and a lot of the people that were watching it and i think it was such a unique opportunity to also give that character study that i feel like it was definitely missed on a lot of the people who needed mm -hmm. to address that and people glorified it so much but it's genuinely one of the only i would argue good pieces of like mafia material because of how it deconstructs that idea right the god but if you want if idea. you want if you want to talk about a derivative work it only sort of works in that way oh, because true. we have decades and decades of precedent of movies and tv shows about mobsters um that hmm. 
that that came yeah. before it. And I I don't think those movies are without nuance. I think no, I they're think good. They, yeah, yeah, they're they're good and and everything. I think what sometimes was lost on the audience that or or sometimes you you could be seduced by the aesthetic of yeah, of, of these people and oh, oh and, my what gosh, they, yes. and what they represent and the sopranos is so much more of a stark look of yeah. the hypocrisy of all of them talking about honor and loyalty and yeah <laughs> and, and 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 you know the the american dream and all of this stuff yeah they're um I I think I think that exists in all of those other mo- in in all of the media that came before it but I think the Sopranos take on it and commentary on it is only made stronger by the existence of those other things and I think this even right. goes back to earlier what I was saying what I I think I wanted to say about high art versus low art and how you can have different how, how you come you you kind of almost need different interpretations of mm. a thing at different levels to truly appreciate the one that you've hitched your wagon to. Oh, yeah. I, I think that the idea that a company can say, even if they're playing with this whole multiverse thing, which I think is, you know, uh, symptomatic of maybe this issue, um, there is this idea of this is the definitive version of something uh mm. and this is the this is the way the the story is told you know look at the way the new star wars movies not that i'm like a, a huge star wars fan but the new star wars movies do a lot to erase uh basically all of the expanded universe stuff that that came out after the original trilogy and everything so and the 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 thing is i think um, I, I think when, when you try to have something definitive like that, you can only then compare things to stuff you've already made. Right. Uh, right. And there's, it, it's, it's very limiting. I think it's like the whole idea of like, do we make, nobody can seem to decide, are we making everything minimalist or are we making <laughs> everything maximalist? And I'm going right. to say you can only appreciate either of those aesthetics if they both exist at the same time right it's like good and evil and happy and sad and it's any kind of binary in that sense right yes but almost it's it's not necessarily like um it's not it's not necessarily the either or of of a binary i think if you look at like if you looked at like a chess set that was minimalist or something and you were like Oh wow, I can really appreciate the fact that with very little information and just the barest suggestion of the sculptor or designer, mm-hmm. I can understand that that's a knight and that's a rook and that's a queen and that's a king. Um and I think it makes you appreciate more if you saw like an incredibly ornate uh detailed uh you know all different sorts of wood or you know stone or whatever inlay you know chessboard like Hmm. the the all of this extraneous stuff i think it's it's the contrast between those two things that's compelling it's like when you see 
you know, and you see this a lot in Europe, you know, some like, uh, you know, modernist, uh, brutalist building right next to some insanely intricate uh late medieval uh yeah. renaissance uh facade like it's that's, florence it's literally what yeah, happened in it's, florence in a way <laughs> but the, but that but the, that tension between the different yeah. interpretations is what makes them beautiful having something mm. to compare them to and i mm. think what um I, I think that is ultimately like what what people are kind of starting to to get a little fed up on on like having everything everything having to be consistent within a brand because I, yeah. I think we yeah. can, can we we could have both said is fan art art we could have asked ourselves that question at the beginning of this conversation right and we would have said three two one no no. <laughs> Yeesh. no that sounds harsh yeah, yeah uh, no, that's not, that's that sounds very harsh i mean but no not not in the sense that like you know for for an art exhibition or something exactly right yeah, yeah. it's it's not the same is it, it's like it is a creative form and it is art in that sense of like creativity yeah but it's not that tight it's not in that uh category well because Let's say it's it not doesn't, in that caliber because it, it it doesn't ask as much exactly it it loses its poetry in that sense it loses yeah. its, its it, it loses the deeper thing that can connect with our humanity and with what i think art is so attractive for right mm -hmm. like another another thing i wanted to bring up and we can, I think, flesh this through this aspect of it as well, perhaps. But mm -hmm. I know, Zan, I asked you to curate a little bit of some of these as well. Um, you know, the the looking at fan art and versus art, let's say, our fan art in relation to contemporary art, in the same field of view as, you know, those who play covers of songs from other musicians mm -hmm. during mm. a gig versus playing their own original music. Right. Because in a way it's similar, but it is it is different, but it is also similar right. in that sense, right? Because it's the same concept as I was saying earlier, where you're if you play covers at a at a bar, let's say, or at a gig mm -hmm. or whatever, or a show, your your work is halved because you no longer have to write something compelling. You can just play it and yeah. practice and learn it. You yeah. get the opportunity to interpretate it, or interpolate it, or whatever in a better way. Which I like. Be I like interpretate. Interpretate, I like that right? <laughs> in my own words. You can, you know, you can, you can transform it in that sense, and you can bet that the audience, if you if you curate it to mm -hmm. your audience, will mm -hmm. be into it. Yes. If you play original music, you're getting the satisfaction of testing your own work out into the musical world. You know, it's mm -hmm. something more personal. It'll come off usually more yeah. personal unless it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like anything, I guess. But yeah. you, it's gamble. It's scary because you don't know how people are going to react and you don't yes. know how it's going to go. And you have to like do all mm -hmm. that work to make the music. I mean, you know, Zan, yeah. when, when we were playing open mics in italy i, th I think we mm -hmm. i mean you played covers but you would test your original stuff i didn't have original stuff so i just 
I tried and couldn't because I just don't make me I don't write lyrics. So it's like or not yet. Well, at least. But, so, but you did you did the next best thing, which mm-hmm. was play uh, covers that are obscure <laughs> enough that an yes. international audience would not know. <laughs> it works. I mean, it did. But it was it's funny because like the reason I did that, though, is because I like those songs and I knew them. Oh, yeah. Same. But, no, but but, but almost know. like that. That's like. Because those that got me into a lot of uh, those songs was listening to you play them. No, oh, I appreciate um, it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I love, you know, now I love Mount Joy and Pine Grove because yeah. of that. Um, but there's also something cool, I think, about covering lesser known songs and working those into yeah. a set. Because, like, honestly, like, that's the type of stuff that I kind of like, like this nod that says... Um, you know, I respect another artist enough to cover their work, but also like it's not going to be um, like, again, I think not that not that if you're just a, a band or an artist playing in a bar and like, you know, the job is to just play feel good music, like obviously like you know, I love doing that, you know, go for it, Sure. you know, cover, cover all those Eagles songs and stuff. <laughs> but I, I do think there is a kind of cover that an artist does that is doing the same thing that I was talking about earlier, which right. is hijacking a little bit of that reverence. Like, yeah, um, there is this artist who I am not going to name, who is very well liked in St. Petersburg and she cannot resist the opportunity to play the most drawn out jazzy version of hallelujah oh god not like, the hallelujah yeah oh man <laughs> oh man does she draw the hallelujah oh um, no it's oh. uh from her lips that she nice. she really <laughs> she really relishes in every little part of it and there's all these artists some of them who do it well but there are all of these artists everyone who thinks i have a i want to cover hallelujah um and it's got all of this reverence because everybody loves leonard cohen even though they're really covering one of the other versions of it because no one has no one. the guts to no. sing like leonard cohen that's no. the whole thing no one <laughs> <laughs> no one has the guts to 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 do that you it's know they'll, they'll do the they'll do the uh the the buckley version or um is that the shrek one which one's the shrek one uh the piano one who did yeah. that one i i can't remember well, um, that's all good but but everyone wants to do those the more musical easy listening versions of them which i i totally get you know are are valid yeah but there is a lot there's there's this emotion that you are expecting to get out of people by covering hallelujah and it seems like this shortcut to meaning uh shortcut to to meaningfulness and i think that's the thing that comes off as as a little hollow it's kind of transparent like all i have to do is learn this very easy uh recognizable song and i'm going to get people to realize like oh this is serious this is (laughs) is moody guys yeah you know yeah, and um I've it, it's it, it's a really it, it's more difficult to to pull off a well-known cover I think than people you know think. I've been to plenty of street fairs where people play bands insist on playing a full band version of Wagon Wheel 
when oh they completely miss the point of Wagon Wheel that it should sound janky. The, 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 yeah, yeah, I agree. You, you can't you can't sound too tight no, playing Wagon Wheel. And yeah, and th- that I I will admit <laughs> I have driven through the Carolinas listening to Wagon Wheel and I tear up because I'm okay. that type of person. Um, <laughs> no, hey, that's it's emotional. It's but, got uh, for, to it. I and I'm also not anti Darius Rucker, but I will hmm. say that his because uh, I I do love Hootie and the Blowfish and I respect I respect the his his uh, his country career. Hmm. Um, but I kind of dislike what his version of Wagon Wheel has has sort of done to the airwaves. You know, yeah, it, it, it turning it you know full rock song. Um, yeah, it sounds like it was mixed in Garage Band a little bit, like all <laughs> Italian music at this point. There is an obsession. There is an obsession with such hi-fi rock that it sounds mm-hmm. fake. I, I will yeah. not elaborate because I don't know how yet, but mm-hmm. it is it is something that I've tried to explain to my mm-hmm. parents when they listen to like Christmas music or Italian music, where I'm like, it yeah. all <laughs> it's all produced by some guy with like a Yamaha yeah. drum machine. And I don't know yes. how else to elaborate on this, Yes, but it no, is just, I mean, I ah, think I like, like it. Re, re, and I'll t- maybe I'll talk about this during recommendations later, but I've been listening to link Ray's, uh, self-titled album. And it was literally recorded in a, um, converted chicken shack. Oh my god, okay. Uh, in a converted chicken coop and it sounds amazing because it sounds awful in a oh, lot I love of other it. ways. That's the best. It's the best. <laughs> yes. Oh, love that. Um so I I guess I, I uh, yeah, I mean I mean does does the I, I think mm. covers fit into this this equation in a similar way. That's why yeah. I think I well, okay, but there there's two things you can potentially do with covers. Right. And that is, you know, if you play something that's slightly more obscure, you can, um, you can, uh, sort of, uh, you know, make, make something that's there for your audience to notice it. And also potentially it's new music. You can turn them on to someone's music that isn't your own. I mean, I've, I've really come to love covering uh old friends by pine grove at open mm, mics but i also song. really like doing um charleston girl by uh tyler childers and those it's funny because a lot of times people think those are originals mm. and then what you really want what you really want is for someone to ask who wrote one of your uh one of your actual originals that's the dream you want people True. to think your covers are originals you want to sell it Yes. And then you also want people to think your covers or your originals are so good that they're covers. Like that's yes, the dream. That's that one way true. to do it. The <laughs> other way that you can possibly do it is to almost use covers to again contextualize your own work, you know. Right. Say like this is what I sound like when I play The Weight, a song everyone knows. And mm. now here I'm going to rope you in with that classic song. And then I'm going to give you something of mine. And now you kind of can provide the like the the language, the dialect of your mm. own work. Like because people yeah. are people are having to filter a song they know through you. Yeah, that's a good I, that's a good way of putting it, actually. I like mm-hmm. that a lot because it, it does make sense that way, too. It's a nice lead in a blend, if you will, for those. Yeah, because I feel like 
like even for me, like when I was learning, like because I learned guitar through covering songs, as many people oh, do. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's the that's, easiest that's way the, to connect. That's right? the way. That's the way you learn anything is is yeah. by copying the things that you like and learning exactly. how to do those things. That's that's you know not only valid, I feel like in a lot of ways it's necessary. Exactly. Yeah. And then, but I think too by doing that. And by playing like covers and by learning how other guitarists, let's say, or pianists or, or musicians are playing their instruments, you can also then adapt that to your own playing and then get to the point where you're applying it to your original music and developing developing something even further, you know, mm-hmm. just like you can in your own, in, in one's own artwork, right? Yeah. Because like I find, you know, if I'm, when I was, you know, way back when making you know, fan works of things and and for sure in response to other artists who have original work but are making fan art of things they enjoy, picked up on different ways of working with paint or picked up different ways of working digitally. And even with music, you know, now making more original stuff, it's like, okay, I practiced my covers and I was doing that and then now I feel confident to take on my own. You know, what is what is my language for this? Mm-hmm. What is my mm-hmm. musical interpretation or artistic interpretation of this instrument? And then moving it into what I yeah. have to say or what one would have to say about it, right? Instead of being restricted to playing covers. Because that does kind of sound like a nightmare at, at the end, though, if your career yeah. is just like, I don't know, Beatles or Bob Dylan or, you know, right. the Eagles well, covers you, you, for people. You, you could, I mean, there's a lot of artists who unfortunately their most famous song is a cover. You know, or yes. I don't know. I mean, that's it, it's up to you whether or not that's fortunate or not. It also here's the other thing, though. If you play something that is supposed to sound a little off and people don't recognize it, you then also run the risk of people being like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've mentioned this before, but I had uh, an ex girlfriend who I one of my go to things whenever I pick up an acoustic guitar is like I I run through. Uh, over the hills and far away. It's just mm, like my my little yeah. reflex thing. And then one day we're driving in the car and it comes on, you know, my shuffle or whatever. And she's like, oh, that's actually what it sounds like? I thought you were just really bad. Damn. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow uh okay that's you that's know a response I, for sure i under i understand jimmy page is 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 sloppy but you know that's <laughs> it's it's an acquired taste i guess uh, yeah for sure i mean yeah okay okay but yeah god yeah i don't I lost my train of thought. Actually, I was so I was so stunned by this. I completely <laughs> lost what I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, it was doomed from that point. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I I think I it it depends on a lot of things. I think there there is kind of a risk to to covering yeah. things. There, I I think in the same way that if. If something is art and we're going to put it into, you know, that that category and doing something that starts as fan art but has some sort of risk to it. Right. I think that's when you start to move more into, yeah. you know, a, a uh, I, more more of the the fine art angle of things. You know, that's yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think it's like it's like. You know, it. Yeah, exactly. You can use those, 
you can use fan art as a way to then gain entry into this t- into this area of the field and without necessarily looking at it as like a hierarchical standpoint because again yeah, exactly. I don't think it's about there's not a bouncer in the contemporary art doorway that's like hold up oh you only have images of sonic ah, i'm sorry <laughs> you can't get in no it's that, like that does that does sound like a meme for the freeze magazine instagram account yes honestly yes <laughs> but it's not that. It's that. The- welcome to the salty spittoon. Yeah. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to, welcome to the Venice Biennale. How tough are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I, you did you ghostwrite his account? <laughs> I make, uh, I make paintings. <laughs> yeah. So, with of what? pubic with pubic hair. Oh, go go right ahead, sir. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my God! I can see it. I see it. <laughs> But it's the thing, it's the it's it's the material itself, it's the media itself holding back the mm-hmm. artwork, right? Because again, these t- like fan art can have beautiful interpretations, not necessarily even in just realism, but the way that it's rendered, you know, the mm-hmm. colors, brush strokes, the sculpting and the marks left that way. Mm-hmm. But again, it's the subject matter can can oftentimes hold it back. And it's that transformation needs to yes. i think occur to create yes. that emotional response and that deeper human response to mm-hmm. something and you know i think this can apply too with film and with video games and other types of media as well that they don't all necessarily have to fall into the category of like it's either fine art or art right higher art let's say and then you know just digestible content for us to live our lives yeah. and whatever right that there yeah there are those balances for sure Mm -hmm. but i think when things get elevated to the point of reaching that you know again no hierarchy but high art it yes it is more of an experience and there is something to it and i think by you know with lack for lack of a better word dumbing things down to being like yes the recent marvel movie uh, you know whatever whatever Mm -hmm. is art or Yes, that picture of Sonic the Hedgehog is also belongs in the Venice Biennale, which sometimes uh, sometimes there could be an argument for. Sometimes yes. there's just such a cultural revenance around something like that yes. you could make a case for it. But yeah, I just think that there's there there has to be that transformation to occur yeah. to also benefit the artists themselves mm-hmm. in that way, or yes. that just your own yes. practice. I think that that's yeah. what I came to terms with in graduate school, and I'm very happy mm-hmm. I did and embrace that instead of went the opposite direction and i it led to mm-hmm. something i'm more confident in within i mean this is again personal experience my own work but even seeing other artists transformations and within their practices i think it leads to something significantly more interesting when you take your inspirations and craft them into your own way of making references without just being so reliant on the subject matter and the material for your audience yeah. to connect with it exactly yeah i think you know, the I, I think when you look at like the all the different interpretations that like the Renaissance artists had with like how many different like statues of David there are. Right. And yeah. like the the ones and again, this is going back more towards like drawing from mythology and things. But it's the fact that it was from mythology. It was something outside of the it was it was a reference to something that sort of existed almost outside of time and history. Yeah. Um, 
it's that you had all of these people gesturing at this thing with their own interpretation of it. Mm. And I think it's when, um, it's when it's not just that you're making art of something that you are a fan of. It's when you can actually get past whatever that medium is and make art about what the art was originally about. You know, if you can, if you, if you can, it's one thing to uh, cover a song about something. Um, But if you can make your own music about that idea, or if you can cover that song and really dig into Mm. and express your version of that idea, I think that's what leaves an impact on people. I think that's, that's what makes people remember it, not just which one they heard first, but you know, that's why, that's why people will listen to all the different versions of hallelujah. That's, you know, that's why, you know, there's, uh, you can listen to both, uh, Bruce and Patty Smith's versions of because the night, um, there, there, the, the, I, it's not so much that the song is, is the same because they're not right. It's that there is some larger gesture as at an idea that goes beyond just what the song is. That's why I think a lot of, fan art fails in the fine art world because it is about media not necessarily about ideas you know mm, it's well said. The, yeah. the 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 pinball machine of the sopranos that uh is at the uh, one rest stop that i uh, usually stop at to pee on my drive to boston you know that that's a that's the aesthetic of the Sopranos in the medium of of pinball. I, I've <laughs> right. lost my train of thought, so I, I think hope there was some. I, I hope there was something, something coherent. Oh no, there was. That was a very good point. Uh, so I figured, you know, just to to kind of wrap up our tour here and to close, I wanted to end with just this one last question to you, Zan. Mm. What do you think is a better cover of a song than the original? I'm very curious. Ooh, huh. Well, I think it's not Wagon Wheel. Okay, not Wagon Wheel. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. It is... Um I, you know, cuz like my impulse is to say um my impulse is to say Bruce Springsteen's version of This Land Is Your Land, which again Ooh. is a song that I think is hard to do sincerely but i think he sells with a full band incredibly well Hmm. um but ultimately again i think that uh i i i will i will say that is a contender for me but what i will say is um okay so (laughs) bear with me here okay uh counting crows put out this album called underwater sunshine uh, that was all covers from oh. like all different decades of music. Cause you know, they're, they're very eclectic with a lot of their influences and stuff. And I think it's, it's one of those albums where I think they got to have fun with it, okay. which is nice. And they've got like, you know, some stuff that's 
you know, it, it, it's 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 very competent covers of things. It sounds like Counting Crows, but they're songs that you know. But one thing that I like that they did is, you know, because they've got Amy by Pure Prairie League. They've got gotcha, um, a gotcha. Bob Dylan song on there. They've got Ooh La La by The Faces. Um, but they also have uh, a lot of songs by like indie artists, which oh, I thought was really great cool. of them to like give all this exposure. And I've discovered I discovered a lot of artists in like high school, a lot of indie bands because of that covers album. Interesting. Um, but and this is no hate to this artist, Kobe Brown, but I think Adam Duritz and his manic delivery of hospital, mm. I think surpasses uh, Kobe Brown's original. Which, and they okay. have other good it, it, other good songs. His other good songs. Um, but I think Adam Duritz's cover of Hospital is is chaotic <laughs> and 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 manic in a way okay, that just okay. really. That, that just really sells it for me. And I'm kind of glad it's the version I heard first. Um, hmm. I, I I know I'm basic for saying Counting Crows, but I'd be even more basic for saying uh, Jimi Hendrix is all along the you watchtower. Read, yeah, you read my mind. If I was asked, that <laughs> was going to be you, my did answer. Did you... Oh, that's that is your answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> did I, I was just gonna call go you basic? <laughs> In a way, well, I'm thinking like because I I mean I could also say that I really enjoyed uh, the Shaky Graves cover of I'm on Fire, which I didn't realize oh. was a Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> so that's how I know I I enjoy it as a very good cover. That's a good choice, though. It, it, thank you. It was it's very good. It's it because it's also like one of his first albums, so it's very like. Mm-hmm. lo-fi in a way but uh yeah again it's it's actually what we talked about like i could listen to both of those songs and be like wow this is a great song by bruce springsteen wow this is a great song by shaky graves oh they're the same i didn't mm-hmm. realize because it's the same lyrics shaky, I just Gra- never put shaky graves is bruce springsteen in like uh like really Me? heavy makeup i mean oh okay i see what you mean interesting because yeah. i was like he's definitely not well okay <laughs> It's like it's like when Randy from South Park was Lord all along. Exactly. Oh man. Um, I do like Lord's cover of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. I agree. And I argued it was better at one point to piss someone off and it was very funny. But <laughs> it was very funny. I I was reveling in that cuz I was just yeah. like it was better than Tears for Fears and this person was just are yeah. you serious? Right now, yeah. better than te- and it's like I don't even know who they are. It's and not. I did, it's not even. It's not it's even not the better. best Tears for Fears song. Break it it's down. It's not. I agree. Break it down again. Listen. Listen to that, and you'll forget about everybody wants. Exactly. To exactly. I think. Um, I mean, I'm. I'm glad neither of us said uh, <laughs> "Knock It on Heaven's Door" by uh, Guns and Roses. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm yeah. sick of that being like the definitive version of that song. Yeah, I agree. I prefer the original. Yeah, mm. and also I, maybe that's just because I'm not a Guns N' Roses fan, but they're fine. I'm not yeah, into they're, it. They're you know? they're they're fine. I'll yeah, yeah, it's whatever. Anyways, yes. Uh, but well, that was, this was good. yeah. I'm that this this was this was a yeah. really uh, interesting. I hope productive conversation. Yeah, I hope if you know stuck with us the whole time you 
may have learned something from it or challenged your way of thinking or disagree with us, and that's totally if okay, too. If you disagree, too. we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, you can email us at uncannycountymuseum at gmail.com and let us know what you didn't like or liked. Same with yeah. on Instagram if as well. You, if you really disagreed with us, you can go to our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And support or, us, yes, and then please. we will start to support your opinion. Exactly. And un- until until you're paying us for this, you're we we can only care so much about your opinions. Exactly. That's not true. We care we care about the thoughts of all of the we visitors do. to the Uncanny County Museum. We appreciate everyone that uh, listens to us jabber about yes, God you. knows what. Um, <laughs> Um, but yes, you can check us, uh, check out our Patreon and all the great rewards, uh, all different levels over there. Um, I think now, uh, we're running a little long, but let's, uh, jump quickly to stick it or ticket. What do you okay. got? From- you know, I was so scared. I didn't have anything interesting and I forgot about this. Um, <laughs> all right. So here is my entry. I was driving home and I saw this bumper sticker and I had to double take for a moment because it said, don't rat the homies. And I didn't know, I don't know if it's like for a band or if they just genuinely do not want you to rat on your homies. And I kind of love that. You know what? That is a great bumper sticker. Solid advice, even though it's slightly incomprehensible. Exactly. How about you? What do you have? Um, I saw someone that had, I wish I could have read what it was saying, but I would have to get closer. They had like one of those like, uh, sand like deli sandwich signs, like you okay. know, with like wh- where the text crawls across the screen, hmm. uh, out staring out their back window. If I could have read it, I'm sure that would have been the winner. <laughs> but um, what I instead submit is a bumper sticker that I saw on the back of a van. Okay, uh, that said "Off you go." Nice. Oh my, <laughs> off you go. That's kind of oh wow. We really both got the incomprehensible ones. <laughs> excellent yes but also they sound slightly uh, affirming yeah like you're going interesting interesting Mm -hmm. well yeah i mean you are you're 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 driving you are driving we are going right now yeah um anyways uh speaking of going uh what's going on with you joe uh well i what is going on with me? I'm st- I think the group exhibition I'm a part of uh, entitled Yonder Crush is still going on in New York City. It's at the Satchel Projects Gallery in Chelsea. Uh, so you can feel free to check that out. I think I have some details on my Instagram or the Satchel Projects Instagram as well if you want to check out that exhibition. Uh, in the meantime, I've also been working on some music and awaiting some news that I can't necessarily affirm yet, but... Here's hoping. So yeah, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to be creative and apply to things for 2023 as we're getting started in this year. Uh, but how about nice. you, Zam? What's going on? Um, so I have my solo show at Darcy Simpson Artworks opening March 25th of this year. So get over to Hudson and uh, see us there if you if you are able to. Um, I think. Uh, I I will be relieved slightly when um, I'm no longer uh, what what seems like constantly uh, trying to get myself organized for this. Um, <laughs> but I'm very I'm still very excited about it, and uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm beyond ecstatic. Honestly, it's gonna uh, be great. I'm, I'm yeah, 
Yes, it will. Um, other than that, um, I actually, uh, speaking of which, I also have some new artworks up on my uh, website. These are sort of my old stock, my old inventory. I'm doing a 15% off sale on uh, that stuff to sort of help it move along a little bit. You can use the code solo sale, mm. one word, uh, at checkout and get 15% off. Uh, if you've been waiting for your chance to get some of my art, uh, and I am, yeah, just hoping to, uh, get those out to people that have appreciated, uh, what I do for so long, uh, before I unfortunately have to raise my prices on a lot of things. Um, right. so get it while you can get it while it's um, hot. Yes, yes, yes. Um, other than that, uh, I, I'll also have my workshop coming up the first week of August at the uh, John John C. Campbell. Which one's the Which <laughs> one's the hero's journey? Oh man, I don't I don't know. One of them. Uh, <laughs> I can't the, remember. I hope I, I hope I'm remembering I, it right. I John, think it's John C. Campbell. C. Campbell. Yeah, John C. Campbell Folk School in Brasstown, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, Shape and Shadow. Uh, I'll be uh, teaching that workshop if you are in the nice. area and want to learn some oil painting technique. Um, other than that, that is what I can definitively say. I also have vague uh, plans mm. that I can hope I can announce soon. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, well, uh, we hope you have enjoyed your visit to the Uncanny County Museum. If you'd like to uh, find the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Instagram. Oh, Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. I don't think we're using the Twitter anymore. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't quite our medium. No. Uh, really. Thanks again to uh, Geonology uh, yes. again yes. for ha for coming on our show last week. That was phenomenal. Go check out all of his wonderful educational content. Um, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to next time that we get back to the museum because we are going to be talking about something that I at least find yes. very interesting. It's going to be interesting. I'm hyped for mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Come back and make it snappy. Ooh, foreshadowing and very foreboding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to find me, I am at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Cimino. Bye. See ya. Bye.